Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuiper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. Hey, Sherry. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, I'm a little tired. Yeah. A little post-lunch. Yes. Provided by the boss today. Yes. Your PAO, Chad Jones, bringing in the lunch. Some Lido's. What'd you think? First time trying it. First time trying it. Pretty good. Not gonna. Yes. Not gonna lie. Pretty good. It was great that we actually had the whole team in the office. Uh, well, minus one, but we had almost the entire team in the office for the first time in a year. Obviously, socially distanced. Yes. We were wearing our masks when appropriate. But it was nice to actually see each other. It again. was. Yeah. It was weird. I almost forgot how to talk to humans. <laughs> Three dimensional ones. Yeah. Yeah, At you least. Not like a cardboard cutout on a screen. <laughs> yes. But in addition to the Lido's pizza, so Joe and I were having this conversation, folks, and some of you out there are gonna hate on us for this, but as they as the kids say, don't yuck our yum. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza, Joe. For where it. do you stand? For it. Absolutely for it. Right? Yeah. So I used to think it was kind of gross too, but what I discovered is I didn't like it with ham. So yeah. a true Hawaiian's what? Pineapple and Pineapple ham. Pineapple right? and ham, yeah. I forget. What happened that I got it with just pineapple on, and I loved it. Yeah, it's interesting. Super good. Super good. It was the ham I didn't like. I don't eat a yeah. lot of ham to begin with, but unless it's in bacon form, yeah, then I'll eat form it. Is but nice. then anything else is like, eh. So, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a huge majority of people in the world that think we are terrible people because we eat pineapple on our pizza. Yeah. I mean, the way I figure it is is you should just enjoy it. If it's good, it's good. Enjoy it. Exactly. Know? Hey, boss. Hey, what's up? <laughs> a little bit later, you're going to be having a, your weekly gibber segment from uh, Chad Jones, so stay tuned for that. He won't be talking about pineapple pizza, though. No. I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, what else were we talking about? It was all very food-related. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff food-related. Oh, we oh, were talking about what? shrimp boils and, and oh, the great yeah. state of Maryland, how we, we enjoy our seafood here. And everything's doused in Old Bay. Old Bay, yeah. Old Bay. Like, if you, if you don't like Old Bay, you're probably not from Maryland. Yeah. It's, or you're probably an outcast well, to those around you. I yeah, mean, probably. I feel like you have to like Old Bay to stay in this state. I think. I think <laughs> I'm uh, kidding, of course. Well, I'm of kidding, course. of course. I think um, because I had never heard of Old Bay prior to coming to Maryland. And now I definitely am of the mind that Old Bay belongs on a lot of seafood. It does. It, well, and it belongs on it a lot of other lot things. Of, like wings. It's really yes. good on wings. Oh, my gosh, wings. Super good on wings. It's like my secret ingredient to uh, deviled eggs. Yeah. I top it with Old Bay. Yeah, really? Deviled eggs? Mm-hmm. So huh. to those listening, that, that's my secret ingredient if you ever have <laughs> deviled eggs with me. Because I love deviled eggs. And one day I was like, mm, let's put some Old Bay on it. Because Old Bay goes on like everything. It does. It really does. It's like the, uh, there's an Adam Sandler movie. Oh, uh, Zohan. Yeah, he where put he puts hummus, hummus on, on everything. everything. Yeah. Old Bay is, is the equivalent yeah. here in well, Maryland. We have, a, we have a running joke in my house that for me, our hummus is adobo. We put adobo, I put oh. adobo on everything. My, my wife is cooking and I'm like, are you going to put some adobo in that? She What's adobo? crazy. It's what we use. It's what a lot of Hispanics use. But what? But like, what is it? Is it like a spice it's a combination or a... of seasonings? Yeah, it's oh. just like a special combination. It's mostly for like proteins for like chicken. You're holding out, like Joe. Like uh, keeping the secret seasonings to yourself. No, well, I mean, see, Adobo, I've we love to share our seasonings. Like, I'll tell you all about the magic of sazon. Sazon is great. 
Oh, that's another. That really sounds good, good. Yeah, it's a great seasoning. We put it on loads of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, off, off, off air. I'll definitely share some of the, yeah. the magic with you. I like, I like the seasoning. My husband's very good with seasoning. Yeah, I love good seasoning on food, but I've never heard of those two. Uh, I mean, and I'm all about good food. So, like, we. But uh, I don't, I don't cook a ton of Spanish foods. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably why I've never heard of it. Yeah, you'd be surprised. A lot of that stuff will go good on almost any meal. Oh like, yeah, it's, it's surprising like how you could because like my wife is German. She's learned how to cook uh, Spanish, oh. Asian, a lot of Americans. I mean, American plates are. I'm a coming limited. over for dinner. Hey, by all means. That sounds really good. Yeah, and I was gonna say soon you can come over. I'm getting my shot in a yes. few. Yes. Yeah, yes. getting my vaccine. So by the time this episode comes out, you'll have had your vaccine. Yes, I'll have my first vaccine. And you'll be able to tell us about it in the next episode, but that's yep. exciting. Are you excited? I'm super excited. I'm still waiting patiently to be called to be told that I can do it. Yeah. But it's okay because everybody around me is getting vaccinated, so I know my turn's coming, but that is, that's exciting. Yes. That's exciting. Awesome news. And um, I'm hearing today that people are saying the mass vaccination sites, you know, you got to get registered. Um and, and go. They're yeah. looking for people to give them away to. So, yeah, keep trying. You know, um, if you're a TRICARE beneficiary, they'll notify you when you can make an appointment. Yeah. But if, you, if you're not, you know, you can register with your county. You can also register with the state as well. And we've been putting that information out on social media. So, yep. so you know, definitely do it. Absolutely. And if you are a retiree or if you seek, or you receive care from the VA, that's another good option as well. Like, like yeah. make sure you register with the VA. That's where I'm getting my shot. So, I mean, they have the resources available to you. Reach out to them. Yes. Get the, signed up. The important thing is that when you sign up, when you get through on one, go back and cancel your reservations yes, on the other ones on the and other take ones. yourself yeah. off the wait list and stuff. But yeah, I mean, our friends at Kimbro. I mean, I'm a TRICARE beneficiary. I mean, if they're listening right now, come on down. Put one in my arm. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'll come to you. You can come to me, whatever. I'll do it on the town hall one night, you know. Do but it live on the air. <laughs> I, well, probably not. I mean, I'm a bit of a baby. I usually curse a little bit when oh, I get a I shot. I got a flu shot recently. And she's like, see, it wasn't so bad. I'm like, like, hell it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking with her. I have a good rapport with the the doctors I go see but but yeah but nonetheless I'm personally I'm excited for you and I'm excited that I know my turn's coming up soon so and I know the week this airs there's going to be another uh virtual town hall with you know Colonel Nyland and Colonel Michael so always when you can tune into those get the information because the vaccines will come up people have questions they have answers so you know tune in listen in on that Ask your questions. Yes, ask questions. And ask your questions on the Facebook feed that day. Joe always puts out questions. And the great thing about the town halls is they're recorded. So if you're working or you can't watch it at the time it's on, afterwards, later that night, grab a beverage, get some popcorn, sit down and, and watch it. Because there's a lot of really great information in there, answers a lot of questions. And if you submit a question ahead of time, we give that to the colonel and they answer them on on air. So yeah. Yeah. if you can't watch, submit your questions early on those Facebook posts and we can still get the question asked because you're probably not the only one who wants to know. Yeah. That's yeah. the great thing about questions is everybody else is thinking it too. So ask the questions, get the information and, you know, get on those lists. Yeah. 
So who are we talking to this week, Sherry? So we are checking in with CYS this week. So we're talking to Francisco Jamison, the CYS director, and one of the nurses for CYS, Kathleen Wyro. So really yeah. getting an update on what's going on with CYS, what their kind of status is, because we know you yeah. know, obviously it was very limited on who they could serve and such uh, for COVID and what's opening up. Also, really important what they're doing to keep the kids safe, the employees safe, and just to kind of keep everybody healthy and moving forward there. Yeah. So great information, uh, great in- info. And here's uh, Francisco Jameson and Kathleen Wyro. Can you give us an update on CYS and how the workers and the children are doing? Sure. Child and Youth Services, the staff uh, have done an excellent job during this pandemic of still living up to the high standard of early childhood education and recreation that we provide to the community at large for Child and Youth Services. The kids are doing amazing when you consider how much of the pandemic has affected their daily interactions. The focus has been on trying to keep things as normal as possible for them uh, while obviously socially distancing. And for a lot of our children ages uh, three and up, they wear masks. So it's been different. I think what we've recognized is what we've always known about the military community, very resilient. So it took a little bit of time for them to get adjusted early last uh, summer when we reopened CYS, but it's it's really been uh, phenomenal since then. You know, the, the parents, I still, you know, get lots of questions from them. It's been really hard, I think, most, Sherry, on the parents because they're not able to come into our facilities uh, and see the rooms and see the environments. Um, I feel for them. There are a few of our infant parents that have never met the staff uh, in person because of That is tough. um, Or seen the rooms in person. That's very, if you think about that for a second, that's very unusual, you know. Um, You wouldn't take your pet to a, a pet care place that you hadn't seen yourself, so much less your children. Right. Uh, but they've been very supportive and I thank my staff. They've been very, um, you know, they've done a, a great job in trying to be unique and, and adapt. They've done videos uh, to show parents what the rooms look like. Uh, we've done some FaceTiming and, and some other things that have been very beneficial to the parents. But uh, I, I guess we all look forward to the day where things go back to as normal as possible. So all things considered, I think CYS staff and children are doing uh, very well. Well, and it's nice that you're you're evolving a little bit. And so, yeah, they can't come in in person, and that I'm, I'm sure is very hard. And like you said, Fran, and I probably speak for Joe too, I would not want to take my child into a place I couldn't physically see, but we're in unusual times. So give us an idea to put some minds at ease. What are some of the um, the health precautions that you guys have in place to take care of the staff and the children? Hi, this is Kathleen, the CYS nurse. I guess I'll speak to that. As Fran mentioned, we, you know, we've been working on this since last spring, just like everybody else living with the pandemic for a year now. We spent the time that we were closed working very hard to develop uh, protocols for when we would come back. And an awful um, lot of experts uh, had their input into those protocols. We worked with our local Army Public Health Nursing, with environmental health, um, with Income G9, with... Um, the head of Army, Army Public Health Nursing, Colonel Sarsfield, I mean, there were um, many, many people who were involved and, and had input into the decisions we were making for when we were going to reopen and how to do that safely. Um, and 
you know, certainly as 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 you and Fran were discussing, it's been evolving all along as the situation has changed, as more uh, information and data and, and facts have come through, we've uh, adjusted what we've been doing. So, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a laundry list. Um, <laughs> you know, we um, we uh, initiated extra training for our staff, PPE training and just general COVID-19 training um, to describe what they would be required to do. Um, and then, you know, the rules that we have, mask wearing, social distancing, you know, six feet apart whenever possible. Now, as everybody knows, it's somewhat impossible to really um, take care of small children without uh, yes. being hands-on. How do you do that? Well, we, you know, yeah. we do the best we can. I mean, it's right. just understood that um, it's impossible, right? I mean, right. We certainly, you know, when there, when there's um, space and, and, and availability, we have them, for example, sleeping six feet apart or um, eating when they're old enough to feed themselves separated if there's, if there's space, you know, but, you know, you, you, you have to hold on to an infant to feed them and take care of them. So um, our staff understand that. You know, extra cleaning, all of the uh, requirements about what needs to be cleaned, how often, sanitizing, disinfecting, all of the different grades of cleaning, signs all over the place to remind people of what they're supposed to do where and uh, things like that. Screening for everybody entering our building and, as Fran mentioned, limiting who enters our building just to yeah. be able to limit the spread if, if there were to be positive cases. That's another thing, kind of maintaining pods or bubbles for groups of um, staff and children so that if there were, you know, by chance to be somebody who tested positive, it would be limited to a smaller group as opposed to the whole building, the whole facility. I think I think those are the sort of the main things that, that okay, we've that done. That sounds like but, a lot. Yeah, we keep evolving. I think the, the final thing that has made certainly, I think protocols and routines make everybody feel better because they feel like it's under more under control they know what they're supposed to do and and finally we've uh, we've been offered the vaccine we were one of the priority groups to be offered the covid-19 oh, vaccine base well I, you know we are hands on and and maybe not quite first responders but our staff certainly are are in contact with people every day well, I would, I would, I would definitely rank you right up there with first responders because without you guys open a lot of our workforce can't do the work they need to do. And I'm glad you brought up that you guys were all vac vaccinated because, you know, it's a, it's a long list of who's getting vaccinated where. So it's just, I'm glad you brought up that reminder. And I'm glad to hear that, that everybody is getting vaccinated and, and that's really wonderful news. And I was also thinking too, I would like you to follow me around with signs and reminders of things I need to be doing <laughs> because even after a year, you know, I've definitely, I was someplace um, yesterday and I walked away without my mask and I was like, dang it. And I had to turn around and go back and get it. And, you know, it's just like you said, it's those little things in the routine that keep us safe as well. So thank you for all that. You guys are doing amazing work over there. Well, Sherry, uh, let, me, let me just mention real quick. I, I want to make sure, because I know my staff listen to this uh, podcast, as do a lot of the community here at Fort Meade. Everyone hasn't taken the vaccine at CYS. Everyone has been offered it. And like anything else on the garrison or anything else in society, I do have staff who have elected not to take the vaccine or get the vaccine uh, for their own personal or, or health reasons. And um, right now, I want to say we're at the 60 percent uh, mark of, of who said yes and, and have uh, received it. But we still have, you know, 40 percent that haven't. 
and you know I would encourage those folks to really consider or reconsider getting vaccinated. I think it's the me personally, I think it's the right thing to do based on what we do for a living and the interactions that we have with uh, children. Kathleen, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, sir. Sorry. Uh, I just was responding to Sherry and, and uh, she's talking about reminders and signs. Um, the other CYS nurse and I have a sign on the door of our office that says face mask with a smiley face on it so that we remember <laughs> to put our mask on when we leave our office. I need that for my car before I leave every day. I've got them planted in different purses, in the glove box, all over the place. So I'll never be too far without one. And Sherry, while we're talking about health, I just want to make mention, because, you know, I do sit on the town halls with Colonel Nyland sometimes, and obviously I work very closely uh, with Chad Jones, public affairs officer, and we get a lot of questions on Facebook about child and youth services and why why are we the most uh, restrictive, why we're the most stringent, you know, and, and I just want to remind the community, we have the responsibility of taking care of uh, people's most prized uh, possessions, or children. I mean, th there's no other way around that. And I'm responsible for the children uh, in child and youth services, but as well as the staff. And we take that very seriously. Uh, we work very closely with public health, Attorney Colonel Wiles and his team, Colonel Michael and his team, just to keep people safe. So you're going to hear things, if you're in the community listening to this, you're going to read things from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. You're going to read things and hear things from the news. Just remember that CYS, we're going to be one of the last people to to stop any of these protocols and, and, and criteria. It's going to be us probably last because of the community that, that we work with and work for. Um, so when you when you go back to work and you're saying to yourself, how come I can travel to you know Canada and back and go to work on Monday, but CYS won't let me drop my kids off? It's because we take care of kids and, and their health and the, the staff's health are primary to my mission and what we do. And we want to keep everyone as safe as possible. And what we've seen so far, you guys have done a really great job of doing that. You know, Kathleen talked about all the uh, the protocols you guys follow and everything you guys do, especially if, like, for example, you guys get a positive uh, case. You guys handle it exceptionally well. We've seen all the different messaging and, and the different things you do to inform the public. So that's been really great to see question I have that I'm sure a lot of people probably are wondering now is uh, who can use the CDC right now? Yeah, that's, you know, so Joe, I remember last year when we had these, uh, the, the podcast and I, again, I appreciated being on. It's it's evolved. That's a great word that Kathleen used earlier. It keeps evolving. Uh, at this point, we are using, or we're, we're open to um, everyone for our school age programs, you know, so our school age programs Currently, there isn't a wait list for the before and after school, what we call before and after school. Right now, obviously, it's virtual and hybrid. Uh, there isn't a wait list. You would just call our parents central. You have to get on the wait list. So you have to go on militarychildcare.com in order to get on the list, but there's no wait list, if that makes sense. Um, so you would yeah. probably get right in, even if you were a retiree at this point, um, as long as you were eligible. For CDC, it's a little more complicated than that, but isn't it always? Uh, so right now, I want to say we have children of uh, direct care CYS staff and CYS staff. Obviously our single and dual military are priority. And right now I believe our parent central uh, have opened the list up to our active duty with a working spouse for the for the mo majority of the age groups. You know, remember we have infants through preschool and our infant list obviously is the most difficult to get on because we are limited by ratio. It's one to four ratios for infants. 
there are only so many infant spaces in CYS and the wait list is long. So, you know, one of the, one of the water cooler things I always hear is uh, when people meet me or see me in, in the street, they say to me, I've been on the wait list for a year. And they'd be right. They'd be yeah. right if they have an infant. It is very difficult. I always tell people, the minute you find out you're expecting, that is the day you call Parent Central and uh, get on the wait list. You don't wait for the baby to be born or you'll never get in. You have to get on the wait list when you know you're expecting in order to get uh, infant childcare. But we, we are going to be opening additional CDC space. I'm sure you're going to ask me about that. We, 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 we do anticipate opening CDC 2 uh, in the month of April as part of the month of the military child. I don't have a date for you yet. I would have loved to have given you an exclusive, but that's the, the goal right now is to open before the month ends, and that will open up an additional uh, 125 spaces, uh, give or take, in the very first few weeks of reopening, and that's a good thing. So that's exciting for the community, I know, because a lot of folks are returning to work. So speaking of opening up more time slots, so I know you said about opening more in April. Do you have more of a long-range timeline to reopen because that wouldn't reopen all of the spots, would it? No. Okay, so do you have like a long-range timeline to get everything reopened? Or are you at least starting to look at that now that we're in this state of getting vaccinated and lights at the end of the tunnel seem to be getting bigger and bigger? We do. So what, what happens, Sherry uh, and Joe, is my staff work with me to do courses of action uh, for the garrison commander and the senior commander. Uh, the senior commanders who would ultimately decide when to uh, fully reopen CYS. And it would be normally based on health protection level. We're at HPCon Bravo now. Uh, it would take uh, the reduction of that to alpha to uh, open more percentages. Right now we're at 75% at CDC's 3 and CDC 4, the, the, the bandwidth. And then you have uh, the school-age programs again that are able to, to do 75% of our original pre-COVID uh, numbers. When CDC2 opens, and this is a great segue, I appreciate the opportunity. When it opens, we, we just cannot open a CDC at 75%. It takes time to register everyone, and, and it's complicated. I think many community members just feel like a light switch goes off, and right. that very first Monday, we can just take 130 kids. Well, it's more complicated than that. We've got to call each of those families. We have to register each of those families. Many of our families have special needs children because we're a compassionate reassignment here at Fort Meade. So right. that, it requires mm -hmm. a MIAT meeting, a multidisciplinary inclusion action team meeting where we talk about your child's special need and we ensure that we are prepared to take care of your child uh, more than adequately. Uh, so that takes time. So it's, it's, it's not as, as simple as call this number, get on this wait list, we call you, you start the next day. It's often, you know, four, five, six days, and sometimes up to 30 days uh, oh, to wow. get enrolled in CYS fully, depending on your family's situation. And that's important so that folks understand that when we open in April, uh, it's because my Parent Central team right now, today, have already started to call people and, and, and kind of pre-register them to make sure that they're, we're ready when that thumbs up is given. Right. Wow. That's a, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. That's, people do need to know that. I didn't think it would take that much work, but what do I know, right? So, wow, that's, you know, that's you, know, you know journalism. You no, know, but I'm just saying, just to think about that, like sometimes, especially now, like we just want that light switch to flip so quickly. So I think it's just very important to remind parents that that you are working hard, that you're already looking out a month or so ahead of time to be patient. That we'll get there. Yeah, Kathleen and, and Laureen is our other CYS nurse. They work 
diligently on these topics. I mean, Kathleen and Laureen are both members of that MIAT team I was talking about early, and she can speak to, you know, we spend half an hour on each child that's, that has a special need in a meeting with their parents, just uh, to make sure that we know the history of their condition and that the CYS program is well-equipped to take care of the child. Um, every child is different, so even though we have, you know, two dozen children in the program that probably have ADHD, no two children are alike. Uh, we have we have dozens of allergies. I mean, I, that's the one thing I would I would say to you. You you have no idea how many food allergies we have in child and youth services. I mean, Kathleen does, but that <laughs> our kitchen staff are are just heroes. The, the, what they have to do to prepare food. Uh, when I go in there to do my my uh, my best undercover boss moment, I, I quickly realize that that's not what I do for a living. And there's a reason for it. it. It's very stressful, you know, to make sure you have yeah. the right or whatever kind of milk somebody has and they can't have the regular milk. And it is a lot. And and that's just a uh, an overarching theme, Joe and, and Sherry for CYS. Every single thing that we do is highly regulated uh, and, and the rules are very specific. You know, what kind of plants we can have in rooms and we have to label them to, you know, what kind of uh, wipes we use, you know, everything is regulated and 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 highly uh, enforced. So I, I my hats off to my entire team uh, for what they do every day because uh, it takes special people to do it. Wow, yeah, that's that's for sure. That sounds like a lot. I'm stressed out just thinking about it. Yeah, I was gonna say I have uh, I have a daughter at home with a food allergy, and I can tell you right now it's it's a it's a mission in life to safeguard her and take care of her so i can only imagine how much effort has to go in to managing children with multiple like varieties of of food allergies i can only imagine what your uh, your kitchen staff really have to go through hats off to them yeah give them a raise yeah <laughs> i just i would so, like to add, just add one thing to that if i can in addition to what Mr. Jameson was talking about with all the preparation. I mean, we, even once we have a meeting to discuss a, a child and their condition, it may require additional training. So we have standard health and medication training that we, we do for all of our staff. So if we're going to open a new facility and potentially have new staff, we're going to have to do the general training for everybody. And then we would have a meeting for the particular needs of the child. So Joe, for example, your child, we would, we would have a meeting and we're doing them virtually now, but uh, to discuss the allergies and whether or not there's medication, what we need to do, what the substitutions are. Well, if it's something that's a little bit out of the ordinary, then Lorena or myself will have to go into the center and sit down with the staff who's taking care of that child and the management in the building and go over the training with them if there's anything new. So even, you know, once you have the meeting, they can't start the next day because it's, as Fran said, with respect to COVID precautions, our goal is to keep everybody safe. And in order to do that, everybody has to have all the knowledge. So, yeah, it is, It is. Um, I think, frustrating to parents because they feel like, you know, they're under the gun, they're under pressure to, to you know, get their child in care. But to do it the right way and the way that we want to do it takes takes extra effort. And, and to your point about the glide path, I do, I do want to make sure I, I say this. We do consider a timeline. I will share with you, we would love to be back to what we would consider normal uh, for the September timeframe. So right now, again, like I said, we're at 75%. The, the first goal is to get all the buildings back open first at 75%. So we still have uh, the youth center to be reopened at uh, building 3102 for the middle school and teenagers. Uh, and after all of my buildings are back open and family childcare 
then we will take a look at over the summer going to you know 95% and then eventually back to the 100%. But again, that's all based on the the recommendation from uh, Colonel Nyland to the senior commander and the concurrence of the senior commander to move forward. So that's all conditions based, uh, just like anything else in MWR with the bowling center and uh, arts and crafts with gyms. So, Fran, I got a question for you. We've like for right right now, my children are going to school in hybrid learning and Mead High and, and some of the other schools have gone into this hybrid model now. What does that mean for like CYS programs? So, Joe, the, yeah, the school, you know, we have our school liaison officer, Ms. Sarah Bonice. She faithfully attended all of those uh, those board meetings and, and school board meetings. We've had Dr. Arlotto out twice to the garrison in the last six months. Uh, we've we've met with Anne Arundel County Public Schools uh, to kind of make sure that we had a battle rhythm for what their plan was going to be. And then my team, including Kathleen and, and Laureen, uh, started working behind the scenes to figure out what the best scenario would be. So based on their their recommendation, we opened a second building, School Aid Center 2, I should say reopened, and we did so with just the virtual learning children. So we have one center right now for virtual learning school agers, and then we have School Aid Center 1 that is for the hybrid uh, learning school age center children. And the reason we did that, and again, Kathleen can speak more to this, is they felt strongly that with the uh, advent of the school reopening would be introducing a new set of germs. So now you go to, you know, Manor View or Pershing Hill, you've got the Manor View and Pershing Hill teachers and, and bus drivers and, and cafeteria staff and, and, and on and on and on. And, and then those other children from the community and that bringing that back to school aid center and having everyone together, they felt like that was not a good thing to do right now. So we separated them. Our, Virtual learning kids are not with our hybrid learning kids, and so far, so good. I don't know, Kathleen, if you had more on that. Uh, just, just to make the point that for parents who chose to continue virtual, part of what went into that decision was likely that they were trying to minimize their children's, you know, chances of exposure to multiple people. So, in you know, to at least honor that part of that decision and and to keep the the pods like I was talking about before separated. It's, it did seem like the safest thing to do. It made sense organizationally as well in order to keep track of who's going on what bus since the hybrid model is different children on Monday and Tuesday from Thursday and Friday. It's a bit of a, I'm not sure what the right word is, a, a jigsaw puzzle to try to put yeah. all those pieces together at one at one time. And we do charge people based on, on what service they're using. So our virtual learners that are there all week are charged a different rate, obviously, than those who are going to school two days a week for that six hour period. So we take that into consideration. Uh, you're charged differently for that if you elected hybrid. And uh, as we are now preparing for our summer day camp, so that's the other thing we want to get out is we will have summer day camp, uh, albeit it will be different than it was uh, two years ago when we're having like three and four field trips a week and we're going to the zoo and we're going to the, you know, the, the Nats game and the, the Mystics game and all that kind of stuff. We're trying- Wait a minute, that's what you do for summer day camps? Sure. Can I sign up? Uh, you yeah, right. Like, like I'm mean, probably too like old, but yeah, geez, you need to have adult summer day camps. We can Fran. do volunteers, Sherry. We can do volunteers. <laughs> okay. You and Joe over and volunteer. Okay, no I, I may do that. We'll take you up. Yeah. On. <laughs> so not this year, though. We we will. We unfortunately <laughs> won't be able to do those kinds of things. However, uh, what I want to say is. The staff have been working very hard behind the scenes again, and based on what you're seeing with, you know, with Governor Hogan and the, the county executives 
Uh, again, we, we don't make the decisions, obviously, we make the recommendations to the Recovery Review Board and to the commander, but uh, we will be looking to do a couple things differently this year than we did last year. You know, a year ago, we, we didn't go anywhere. We literally had summer camp and it was all internal to the building. We, you know, we did our craft projects and our, and our drama stuff and our videos and things, but nothing really outside of the building. This year, we really want to get out a little bit, you know, take advantage of our bowling center and, and, our, and our Berber Park and our campgrounds and, and do some things that are not nearly the Mystics and, and uh, you know, the Washington football team or Baltimore Ravens, of course. Let me, let me give due time, equal time. <laughs> But stuff that the kids will still enjoy. Uh, we also are looking into bringing some some folks on to the garrison um, and do some special things uh, like, like a magic show, things like that. So, you know, still socially distanced, still uh, screening the magician and his staff, but something fun the kids can do so that it's not monotonous and the same kind of thing every day. But we're looking forward to that. And summer day camp registration is underway now for our in-house patrons and if you're listening to this podcast and you're not currently a CYS member, we will open summer camp registration on April 1st to the community. So you would go to uh, the NWR webpage, and, and the easiest way to find that page is just by Googling it, Fort Meade MWR, and, and then it'll be a, a nice banner there for you to click on, or you can call our parent central office at 301-677-1149. Let me also add that we have Month of the Military Child coming up. Month in the Military Child obviously is every April along with Child Abuse Prevention Month. And this year, the theme, and let me make sure I read this. I'm not going to even pretend to have memorized this, but uh, the theme this year is Military Children and Youth, a Resilient Force in a Changing World. And the Enterprise received that theme from our friends at Fort Hood. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, obviously, again, just everything reminds you of COVID and the pandemic. We're not able to do our, our traditional uh, pinwheel event that we do as a partnership with, with Army Community Service, because again, they do Child, Ab Child Abuse Prevention Month. And so we right. partner and both events are the same uh, kickoff day, uh, Thursday, April 1st. And we go to one of the CDCs and have this very nice uh, event over there at Pinwheels and, and Planting Flowers. Yeah. Not going to be able to do that this year again for the second year in a row. But we are excited about some things that we're going to be able to do. And you're going to find all those things out through our Facebook page. And um, I, I ask folks to please uh, follow our Facebook page, Mead CYS. And we also, thanks to some work by, I know, Chad and Joe behind the scenes, we're going to be starting a YouTube page coming up here very shortly. Um, and that YouTube channel will allow you to uh, hear about some of the things we're going to be doing also. So we're excited about those two uh, items that we're going to do, those two projects. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I think so. I mean, the one thing about this pandemic, you know, I mean, it's, it stinks in a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong, but we've got, you know, you come up with some really new and creative and innovative ideas along the way too. So I'm very excited to see what you guys do with the YouTube page and excited to see what you guys are going to do for month of the military child, because the, the pinwheels and the planting the flowers was always very, very nice and such a, a great ceremony to do. Um, so we'll miss that, but I'm excited to see uh, what you got coming up unless you want to give us a preview right now, just like a little, well, so come on, Fran. Like, I'm looking at you. I feel like you know something you can tell us. I can tell you that what we're going to do next month uh, has never been done before for Fort Meade CYS. It'll be something we've never done before. <laughs> That's a bold statement. It's, a bo it, it, it's something we've never done before, and we're, we're excited about it, and my team's working hard on it. And uh, when we're able to tell you more, we will. But it's it'll be fun. It'll be interactive. 
That tells like, me nothing, Fran. That I know. Tells me absolutely I, nothing. I was I was told <laughs> before I came on what I could say and what I couldn't say. So you know, I got to keep my people happy too, Sherry. Oh, I know you do. I'll, I know I'll, you do. I'll give you. I'll give you this. How about this? I'll give you okay. this. You are the first to hear this. You know. Okay. So here we go. The podcast. Here we go. Youth sports is returning on May first. That is yes. great news. Nice. Great that news. that's what I'm talking about, Fran. Excellent. I tell you, bring the heat with that. That is awesome. So youth sports May first. <laughs> May first. We're returning on May first. It'll be clinics first. So. You know, spoiler alert, it will not be, you know, uh, the, the soccer games that you were accustomed to a year ago yet. Uh, it'll be skill-based clinics, um, but we'll be back to the complex outside, socially distanced. We're going to limit, you know, the amount of patrons that can be there, so you can't bring the entire family. Uh, we'll have, you know, one parent per child in the, in the very beginning. Uh, but that's that's a start, and I'm excited about that because that's one of the biggest questions we get is what's going on with youth sports. Now, right behind that, we're going to also – have an announcement soon about instructional programs. You know, your Taekwondo, your uh, tap, jazz, and dance classes, swim lessons, and all those kind of things. Um, so stay tuned again to our YouTube channel. It's coming up in our Facebook page. But there's your breaking story. May 1st, youth sports. That's huge. I'll take it. That's huge. Well, I got to um, give you a second. It keeps you, it keeps you having me come back. That's <laughs> oh, don't worry. You'll be coming back. Maybe next time we'll get, we'll get Jim Day to come back as he's our our uh, youth sports guy here at Fort Meade. But that is really exciting. Uh, kids have been cooped up for a year now, and it'll just be nice for them. In May, it'll be beautiful weather, hopefully, knock on wood. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that's exciting news. Thank you so much for sharing that, Fran. I, I will say, Fran, that is uh, big news. I know a lot of people are going to be really excited about uh, sports opening back up. In, in whatever capacity that is, I know, like you said, People have been cooped up at home for far too long. They're ready to get out there and have some fun. No, the kids really are looking forward to it. I know the parents are are looking forward to getting outside uh, and and having the kids get some energy out. And we're looking forward to working with Colonel Nyland on uh, reopening as many things as we possibly can. I got to give the commander uh, a shout out here. Uh, He has done this well. I mean, uh, Colonel Sprague, certainly I give him the same credit excellent leadership through a very trying time and Colonel Nyland has grabbed that baton and taken it and ran with it. We feel very much heard by the commander. He listens, he, we, we discuss yes. things and uh, that's all you can ask in a leader is to, is to hear you out on why you think we should be doing the things that we, sh- that we're doing. Uh, and then he gives you great guidance. So uh, I thank him for his support. He's been very supportive of CYS and we look forward to other things opening family childcare coming soon, youth center, coming soon and, and parent central services. So once those three things are back open, then we will again, look towards the fall, trying to be back at hundred percent. And uh, we hear you me community. We know that there are still folks out there that are on our wait list. I don't want anyone to leave this podcast thinking we don't have a wait list. We do. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and we will, and, and quite frankly, probably will for quite some time. It's just right. part of, you know, the, 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 the schematics of it all based on the age of your child. But we will work with the community and offer as many things as we can based on the conditions and, and what they present. I Kathleen, did you get anything? Yeah, I was just going to say, Kathleen, did you have anything that you wanted to add or any comments you wanted to make? No, I just uh, just want everybody to keep doing what they need to do to stay healthy. And thanks for the opportunity for letting us talk about what we do. Definitely. And here's your digital jibber from the week from the PAO, Chad Jones. Hey everybody, it's Chad. 
and I'm coming to you live from Lido's Pizza. Seriously, I'm in the parking lot waiting to pick up a couple of large pies. Though technically, Lido's is more like a sheet cake. But anyway, once I grab them, I'm going to head up through the new Rockenbach gate on over to the public affairs office to enjoy a team lunch where me and your public affairs office are going to sit down and do some mandatory extremism training. In prepping for this small team session, a few things dawned on me. First, as a white middle-aged Muslim man, I fit two key demographics normally tied to extremism. That's not to be cute. Quite frankly, it sucks. But it is the truth. Though, another thing I learned is that no one group owns the rights to extremism. And that's the second thing I picked up. The activity and the extremists are as diverse as the country itself. And that leads me to why extremism training is so important. And the fact that it is not the same as diversity training. Diversity training is an effort to expand the talent pool in our ranks by showing folks from all walks of life what we each can bring to the table and combine for our joint success. Extremism is an attempt to root out fringe elements that want nothing more than to burn our table down and replace it with some foreign ideology or at a minimum make us question why we get up and serve every day. I say fringe, but in all honesty, we don't know who extremists are, many times until they act out. If you look through the data, a lot of folks who conduct extremist activities are described as loners, or they're said to be off on their own. And that's really where you can come in and where this training can really be of value. Take the time as an employee to talk to your fellow employees. Learn who they are, what they think, and don't judge. I mean, within reason. If they're going to come off with something crazy, yeah, obviously a little judgment's needed. But be willing to have an honest conversation and realize that people's views are not necessarily your own. And just because they're not their own, your own, but they're not wrong. Take that time because of a little bit of it up front, a little bit of honest dialogue up front can save us a whole lot of sorrow later. Talk to you in a few weeks and go blue. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as iTunes. We're also on divotub.net. If you search Fort Meade Declassified.